Well, I want to welcome all our campuses today that are joining us. And, and by the way, um, our, our social media group has put together clips like that and others that you can use to invite people to this Home Alone series and our, our Christmas Eve service especially. And be sure to do that because, you know, there are a lot of people who are new to Austin and they are feeling alone. And it's our opportunity to invite people in to a place that they can belong. So be sure to do that. Invite people this Christmas season. You know, I, Kathy and I used to live in Santa Barbara, and so we would often go back uh, there on vacation. And one year, I remember going to a, a church that actually trumps our church for come as you are casual. They meet on a beach. <laughs> Everybody would bring their, their beach chairs, and the pastor was in shorts and bare feet, my kind of church. And uh, it was a great message. I loved the service. And afterwards, I went to look to talk to the, to the pastor. He's a friend of mine. And I walk around looking for him, I couldn't find him. So I, I go up by, you know, the refreshment table and it was kind of on a little bit higher area and where I could look and I, and I looked and I looked and, and I sat there, I couldn't find him. And then I, I noticed something, like no one was coming up to say hi to me. And I thought to myself, I wonder if this is what it's like to go to church by yourself, you know, cause I hadn't done that in a long time. And, uh, and I said, you know, I think I'll do a little experiment. I, I think I'll, I'll see how long it takes for someone to come up and introduce themselves to me. I'll just give it five minutes. And so I, I stood back away from the refreshment table and, you know, I tried to kind of just look as lonely and awkward as I could, which comes pretty naturally, actually. You know, and I just kind of stood there, you know, alone, clearly not around people. And here there are groups of people all around, you know, and they're talking to each other and they're laughing and people would come by and get coffee and walk right by and, Nobody said hi, and, you know, I'm, I'm just standing there. And so I thought, well, I mean, maybe I don't look lonely enough, you know. So I tried really lonely, like, you know, look down. And no takers, nobody. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty self-confident person. I've, I've got to meet people I don't know all the time. And this was just an experiment. I didn't even care if I didn't meet anybody. But it started to get to me. I, I started to be thinking like, you know, is there something wrong? Like, it's been five minutes, surely. I look at my watch, two minutes, 40 seconds. No kidding. It's Einstein's corollary to his theory of relativity. Time slows down when you're feeling lonely. And so I'm standing there and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I look too lonely. You know, like people don't like to go up to lonely people. So I, I, I went and got a cup because, you know, now you look secure. All right, maybe, maybe I need to look like I'm enjoying being alone, you know? Five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes tick by, people laughing, they break their little groups up, off they go, off they go. Ten minutes later, I'm almost the only one left, and nobody has come up to say anything to me. And I thought, wow. I can't believe how many self-conscious thoughts started to bombard my mind. Like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't anybody want to talk? Do I have a booger? You know, what, what is it? And what I realized, again, is the pain of feeling alone. But also, how important it is for us as a church to see people who might be feeling alone if we now have our little group. You know, most all of us have had this experience. Uh, maybe it was the first day of school. 
you know, moving to a new city, being called a name on the playground, right? Being last chosen for kickball, making a creative suggestion at work and people just laughed. You know, there are many ways that we can feel alone. Maybe it's coming home alone to just TV and a hearty microwave dinner, you know? Or maybe worse, it's coming home to a spouse or roommates and yet still feeling alone. Ironically, loneliness feels worse when we're with others, doesn't it? And yet we still feel alone. But here's the thing. We've all felt lonely at times. We've all felt what that feels like. But once we get our little group, we forget what that feels like. And we forget about those who are still on the outside. But more than ever, we need, once we have that security, to invite others in. Once we have community. Because complaints of loneliness are skyrocketing right now. You know, the number, of, uh, the number one complaint that psychologists are getting are feelings of loneliness. And it's not new. I mean, Harvard reported three years ago the heightened risk of mortality from loneliness equals that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic. It's, it's not healthy to feel lonely. In 2017, U.S. Surgeon General said loneliness had become a health epidemic. The U.K. actually appointed a minister of loneliness. In 2019, there was a survey done by Cigna and found that 61% of Americans reported feeling lonely. And of course, COVID has just pushed that up even farther. It's not healthy to be isolated and alone. And now let me say something just real quick to those of you who are watching on online and, and you're here in Austin. You know, if, if you're quarantining, you know, totally understand. But here's the other thing. If you're going to the office and the grocery store and parties, but on Sunday, I'm quarantining, right? That's not the way God designed church to function because he didn't design us for isolation. And I got to tell you, you know, as more and more people are coming back, every week I'm out in the courtyard or when I'm down south or one of the other campuses, I run into people and they, they say this over and over like, oh, it's so good to be together again. It's so good to be, you know, in spiritually connected friendships because God didn't intend us to remain isolated, but to live in community. So why is loneliness so destructive to our health and, and, and what's the cure? You know, Henry Nouwen says the fear of loneliness at the root is a deep-seated suspicion that there's no one who really cares. There's no one who really cares and will love me unconditionally. There's no place to go to, to be vulnerable and connect with others as I really am, you know, and, and, and not get hurt or used. And that's the fear that underlies our terror of, of loneliness. And that fear gets reinforced every day, doesn't it? With little rejections, little sarcastic comments, gossip that we hear going on around us. It reminds us, nobody really cares. Everyone's out for themselves. Protect yourself, guard yourself. And yet, ironically, this fear of being lonely pushes us into deeper loneliness. But what God wants is for us to face our fear of loneliness, but not alone, to face it with God. Because when we don't face our fear of loneliness, it actually causes more problems. We, we search for pseudo-connections, things to, to heal our loneliness, but it makes things worse. We surf for pornography 
or you know, we, we, we shop to feel better about ourselves, or we flirt on, on Facebook, or we find suds buddies, or we drink, or we drug to just not have to think about how we feel. But none of that cures our loneliness. The only way to cure our loneliness is to learn to be alone. See, it, it's counterintuitive. The secret to relieving loneliness is found not in first being together with others, but first being alone with God. Once we learn to be alone and quiet with God, then we can move to connect with others, to be known and to know others, to give and to serve in ways that mutually cure our loneliness. You know, Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. See, you're never alone. You realize that? You know, God is with you. He sees you, knows you, loves you. Even when you feel lonely, you're not alone. You're never alone. And understanding this, God wants us to understand this in an experiential way. That's why he reminds us all across the Bible. Let me just give you a sample of how many times God reassures you of this. Like to Abraham and Sarah, God says, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go, Genesis 28. And Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. But it's not just these special people. It's not just leaders. God says this to all of Israel. He, he says in, in Isaiah 41, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And when we face very real fears, God understands. He reassures. Jeremiah 42, Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you fear, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I will save you. He understands what we go through. You know, that very first Christmas, the prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of Jesus, saying, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and, and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years later, the angel appears to Joseph in a dream, and it tells us what that Emmanuel, what the significance of that. It says, Joseph, son of David, the, the angel says to Joseph, Jesus' father, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will give him the name Jesus, which means salvation, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I am with you. The very last thing Jesus said to his followers was this, and surely I am with you always. It's not just surely he's with, it's you too. Even to the end of the age. That was a dad joke, wasn't it? Sorry. Actually a granddad joke. It was that bad. But do, do you see what God is trying to reassure you of? I am with you. You're never alone. Turn to me. That's what he wants. He knows you intimately. He loves you unconditionally. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And even when you're alone and hurting and no one else sees, God sees and he cares. And he reassures you of that as well. 
King David said this, you keep track of all my sorrows, God. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. And then God says this to Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah, the king, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I've heard your prayer, I've seen your tears. In your tears, in your grief, in your sorrow, turn to God. He is with you. He's right there because he's the God of compassion. Why why does he collect all your tears? Why does he record all your sorrows? Because he goes through it with you and he honors it when you turn to him and you find your comfort even through it in him. That's why it says in Isaiah 63, in all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. When you turn to God, when you're feeling lonely or sad or beaten down, he sees, he comforts, but he also says, I will reward you. It matters, it counts. So give all your worries and cares to God, Peter says, for he cares for you. No one cares more about you. Now, if you've put your trust in Christ, you're never alone. God is is with you. But to just know this in your head is not enough. God wants you to experientially know it. To know it in a way that actually changes how you live and how you move toward people. Because when we don't experientially understand this, when we don't gain this security from God from the inside out, then when we move toward people, we, instead of moving toward people with something to give, we move towards people trying to take. Instead of moving toward people out of a spiritual fullness that's overflowing, we move toward people to try to fill a void that only God can fill. Do you see that? And that's why this is the secret to Jesus' whole way of life. Scripture says this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus was in the habit of spending time alone with God. It was first priority to him. He needed it first in order to then connect with others and be useful to the world around him. Think about it. Jesus began his ministry 40 days alone in the desert to prepare. If Jesus needed 40 days to prepare to be useful, you think you and I could use maybe an hour or two alone with God to prepare so that we might connect in healthy ways and be useful to humanity. I think so. Henry Nouwen points out this progression that Jesus modeled that we also should imitate, that not only cures our loneliness, but helps us come together in connection that's healthy and helps us together heal a lonely world. So it says in Luke chapter six, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. He spent the whole night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. In another place it says he chose 12 to be with him. Then he went down with them and stood on a level place and a large crowd of disciples were there and a great number of people from Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon had all come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured. The people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Here's the pattern, from solitude to community, then to usefulness and to service to a lonely world. Jesus began in solitude. 
You know, he, he started with solitude with God. In this case, he spent all night alone with God. You say, why all night? Well, because contrary to popular belief that says, well, back then they had all kinds of time. I'm too busy. <laughs> the truth is Jesus was needed by people and spent morning till night meeting needs. And the only time he had to be alone with God was all night while everybody was sleeping. But he made it a priority. So first, this progression is time alone with God, then being able to move into community in a healthy way. He called the 12 to be with him, to be together. And then out of that community, they are able to serve and actually be useful to a hurting, lonely world. And this is the pattern we see in Jesus' life, but it's also the pattern that we can imitate. From loneliness to learning to be alone with God so that he fills us up with a security that allows us to connect with others in healthy ways and then together with others to invite others in to heal their loneliness as well. But to do all this, you first have to face your fear of loneliness, right? So, so let's do a little experiment together, right? Just, just a little exercise of imagination. Imagine something with me. Imagine yourself home alone. All right, you're home alone, nobody else is there, there's no TV, no music, no one to call, you're, you're just in quiet by yourself. Mothers with young kids are drooling right now, right? We're all wired differently, so we react differently, you know. If you're an introvert, you're probably, you know, introvert or young moms with kids hear that and think about that, and this is the way they react, right? My face when I'm home alone. Others of us, you know, the thought of being quiet, no noise, no people, nothing to do, no projects, nothing. We're more like this, right? This is our reaction, right, to home alone. But imagine for a second, you turn off all the noise, you know, no, no sounds around, no TV. You know, I've done TV fasts where like I've gone for a whole week without TV. And I know the Surgeon General said it's not healthy for you, right? I know. Uh, I mean, what would you do with a week without Ted Lasso, right? Who would tuck you in a bed tonight at night if it weren't, uh, you know, Stephen Colbert? <laughs> but you do a week without TV, and here's what you start to realize. I live with so much noise. I don't know how to spiritually hear. And you start to learn how to spiritually hear when you get quiet and still before God. So just imagine... No projects to finish, no friends that you call, no books to read, no television, no Spotify. You're just alone. Doesn't even have to be at home. Maybe it's out in the, in the, in the hill country somewhere. You're just still and quiet. Just you. Just your thoughts before God. Now, the truth is, for most of us, that's very, very hard, right? If we're honest, to be still before God. And yet it's what we desperately need. God wants us to face ourselves before him for several very important reasons. First of all, there are things going on in us we're not even aware of that are driving us and directing us. And it's only when we get still and quiet before God that he can begin to set us free from these forces that are molding and shaping us from the outside and we can learn to listen and let God actually heal us and grow us and mold us from the inside. 
with something strong that actually can withstand, you know, all kinds of isolation and loneliness and then can move toward people in healthy ways. But we have to learn to listen. We have to get quiet before God. So why are we so afraid to be quiet and still before God? Well, first of all, when you do that, you're, you're forced to face your insecurities, right? And these are the same insecurities, uh, ironically, that I'm convinced cause us to live such stressed out, hurried, frenetic lives. We just go, 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 go. Why? Ever thought about that? What are we doing? We want to be loved. We want to be connected. We want to be valuable. Well, how do you actually get that? So we have to face our insecurities when we're alone. But here's the other irony is those very insecurities repel rather than attract the people we want deep connection with, you see? And, and, and so what God wants is to get us alone with him where he can teach us how to be outrageously secure in his love and how he feels about you. Now, I remember the very first time that I spent extended time alone with God. It was back when I was living in Santa Barbara, and a very wise spiritual mentor uh, challenged me to take three hours on a Saturday morning, my day off, and just go be alone with God. Don't take anything, just be alone. And so I chose to ride my mountain bike up into the mountains, and I got off, and I just kind of paced around, and um, it drove me crazy. (laughs) I'll be honest, like I'm a type A person. I'm not this like contemplative, meditative type. I'm like, get things done. And for an hour, I, I sat there and, I, and I, I prayed, really, I worried about everything. You ever done that? You know, you're praying, but really you're just worrying about all your problems before God, you know? And, and you end up more frenetic, more stressed out. And I, after about an hour, I had twice prayed through all my worries and I was kind of done with that. And then I started to feel it. Hour two, I started to feel anxious. I started to feel worthless. Like something's wrong. Like I got to get going, man. I'm wasting time. Like I'm not even doing anything. And this anxiety starts rising up within because I wasn't being productive. And as I had to sit in that, I really, I, like I, was, I wanted to bail because it was serious anxiety about not being productive. And I decided to sit two more hours in that. And as I did, God began to show me something as I could be still, as I was trying to be still, that he is God. He is with me. I'm never alone. He loved me before time began. He proved his love through his son's death. He adopted me as his own child. I'm a deeply loved child. I don't have to go prove I'm lovable or worth anything. I already am. I've got to learn to experience it. Now, I'll be honest. That didn't do it in one day. It took many days of solitude and many days of pondering this. But God began to show me my insecurity. You got to face them to grow something strong from within. It was fascinating. The second hour, as I'm starting to ponder this, I'm watching two hawks that are circling this canyon. And I get curious. And I'm like, Ah, watch that, they're hunting, you know, being productive, of course. And then I watch them, one dives and the other dives and they swoop up and around and I was like, looks like they're playing. Looks like they're chasing each other. 
And I just sat there watching them and realizing they're not hunting. And then I heard in my mind, no, they are playing. I created them to do that too. Just as I created you also to rest and play, not just be productive, John. And when we get alone with God and we get quiet, he can begin to address our root insecurities. And then as we start to gain freedom, we can move toward others. You know, so many times, the reason we won't approach someone who looks like they're standing there alone, like my day on that church beach, is because of our own insecurities, right? Oh, I don't want to feel weird. Well, that's just about you, not about them, right? But as God addresses our insecurities, then we become people who are stronger from the inside, and it displaces all those anxious, insecure thoughts. We can better include others in. So can you get alone with God to hear deep within? You're never alone. I'm with you. I love you unconditionally. Be still. Know that I'm God. So being alone, we may have to face insecurities. Being alone, though, we may also have to face deeply buried pain. And that's another reason we tend to not want to face being alone. Many of us got wounded, maybe in childhood or things said or done to us. Uh, and, and, and these wounds keep festering, but they also keep us isolated because they cause us to be protective or untrusting of others. We put up guards. So again, ironically, our fear of being alone or being hurt actually keeps us even more isolated. But when we move toward God, when we bring even these areas to him that keep us walled off and afraid of moving toward others, here's God's promise. Listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God. Do what is right in his eyes, for I am the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who heals you. Listen to me. But that requires us getting all the noise out long enough to be still and know in an experiential way the God who wants to heal us. Which means that we have to just stop acting and reacting. Out of all the pain or all the blame or all the, the, the ways we just go about covering up the things of the past that we tend to run from. And instead, we take time to be alone. To be still. And know that God is there. And that he will graciously, compassionately guide us as we're ready. He doesn't force you. He doesn't push you. And then as he begins to show us the areas we need to heal, we can connect with others. Like in our Restore Ministries who are walking a path of healing together. And then together, it's amazing how we can invite others into that healing place as well. So you may have to face insecurities. You may have to face wounds that still need healing. You may have to face guilty feelings. You know, for, for some of us, we're afraid to be alone because we have deep guilt that still haunts us. And we've been running from it maybe for weeks, maybe for years. But here's what you need to know about God. God does not condemn you. And God does not want you living with these guilty feelings. Do you realize that? That's not God. That's your enemy. God wants to set you free. You know, right after the famous John 3, 16 verse, where Jesus says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what comes next? Look, 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn you. No. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You realize that God wants to set you free of these plaguing feelings of of guilt and condemnation? That all our wrongs, all our shortcomings, all our sins were paid for on the cross of Christ. So that God will forgive anyone who asks. All you have to do is want his forgiveness. It's done. Now, that doesn't mean though we won't do other things that are wrong, right? And, And it's already paid for. So there's no condemnation. But to experience that connectedness with God, we have to not hide it when we've turned away and done wrong. That's all God wants is just to be open and honest. Scripture calls it confession. Just admit it before God. You know, some of you maybe aren't even sure there's a God, you know, and, and, and maybe you've, you know, you've kind of blown off the thought of God, but here you are, and, and for some reason you're starting to seek. And, and let me just challenge you with something, that, that maybe a lot of your finding reasons to push God away is because deep inside you know you've done wrong. And you don't want to face God. And if that's you, welcome to the human race. No perfect people allowed. That's what we say around here. Why? Because we've all screwed up. Every one of us. I do daily. Every one of us have turned away from God's will. And yet, God is so loving, so merciful, so compassionate. He paid for all of that for all of us. And all he wants is you to turn to him and just be honest. Just not hide it. You know, David, King David, in the Bible, who wrote many of the Psalms, um, his sin was a sin of adultery and then homicide, trying to cover it up. True. Now think about that and listen to what he wrote in Psalm 32 when first he tried. He tried for a long time to just, you know what we do. It's like, just going to not, not, I'm going to ignore God. (laughs) Because I don't want to face this. But here's what he said. Psalm 32. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my wrongdoing to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Friends, if God can forgive David... If God wants David to live clean and free before God, he wants you to as well. So can you go and be alone with God and just let him see before your your heart and your mind what he already knows because he paid for it 2,000 years ago so that it doesn't keep you from the one who wants you to know he's with you always to strengthen you, to heal you, to grow you. God is not out to condemn you. So don't be afraid to be alone with him. You know, we're, we're going to close with a song. And during this song, I, I want to encourage you to do something. Don't, don't let this be your time to get up and leave, okay? I want you to do business with God. You get so few time to be quiet, right? And, and just to do business with God. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Decide. Will you make a time this week or next week? To just be alone with God. An hour, three hours, 
30 minutes. Just start. Don't take anything, but just be before God with your thoughts and let him begin to show you. That's not going to do it for you, okay? You're not going to come along and go, oh, that was so great. No. It's going to take time, right? It's going to take time, but in time, watch how he begins to grow something strong within you that then you can connect with others. And in this season, let's look for others who might be feeling isolated. Let's invite them in. And then from there, we can be people who heal a lonely world. Let's pray together. First, I'm going to turn it over to our campuses. And here at North, let's pray together. And then do business with God as I sing this song. Lord God, this has been a tough season. Even as we're heading into winter, for many of us, it's felt like winter for a couple of years now, maybe even longer. And yet, Lord, you're the one who tells us that even in the winters of life, you are in it with us to strengthen us. You're in it with us so that it counts, it it matters, it can do something to strengthen us from within. Even when all the things that we used to rely on for strength on the outside are taken away. And so God, lead us through this season to the spring of our lives again. And help us make time to be alone with you so that we can be uh, those who connect deeply with others and heal a hurting, wounded, isolated world. We pray this in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen.